from SLB Radio in Pittsburgh, Youth Express, the nation's first 24-7 radio station devoted to youth writing, music, and conversation. I don't know why some people look down on people who either give up on college or never go in the first place. There are people that just hate you because of your race or ethnicity, but we are definitely making progress. She's hungry for everything, the life within, trying to find her way around again. Looking and searching is what she's doing. So I followed my brother down to the riverbank, and we donned our skates. While Lev hurried, I tarried. While Lev trudged through the slush, I caught a flake on my tongue. My parents are from Bhutan. They migrated to Nepal, and I born there, and I moved here in the U.S. So it's a long journey to get here. On today's episode, a conversation on colorism in black communities. But first... Eighth grade students at Manchester Academic Charter School with reflections on the book Monster by Walter Dean Myers. Hi, I'm Jordan. I'm in the eighth grade, and I will have to say my favorite book is The Giver. Hi, my name is Caleb. I'm in eighth grade. I don't have a favorite book, but I like reading basketball books. Hello, my name is Naomi. I am also in eighth grade, and I have a lot of books, so right now I do not have a favorite. Hi, my name is Tazen. I don't really have a favorite, but it's the Goosebump series. Hi, my name is Romel. I'm in eighth grade, and my favorite book is Monster. Okay, so basically the book Monster is about a 16-year-old boy named Steve who is on trial for murder. And basically the book starts with him in the jail, and it shows all the environment he's around and how that one choice of him murdering somebody affected the way his lifestyle was. When he got to trial, he, I don't want to say nervous, but he was concerned that he will be the rest in jail or he'll be on the death penalty because the jury was figuring out if he should be on the death penalty or not. Like my friends Jordan said, there's this boy named Steve Harmon. He's on trial. And what he's on trial for was he was with uh, James King and Richard Bobo Evans. So he was supposed to be the lookout for them so they could go rob the store. While he was supposed to be the lookout, a drastic turning point happened to where Mr. Nesbitt, the uh, store owner, he had a gun and he was trying to pull it out on them and tell them, like, this is not the store you could rob. And they took the gun and shot him. And then that's when he died, right? After he died, that's when uh, Steve, he got snitched on, and he had to go to trial with Bobo and King. At this time, when Steve was going on trial, he was already inside of jail for something else. Then, once it came to Steve, and he had to go on trial, he didn't really know much about it. He said that King had it all planned out, and that he thought Steve was supposed to be the lookout, but he wasn't necessarily sure. All Steve did was walk out the store, and he didn't give any sign, and they took that as a sign to go in. And basically, Steve was not inside the store. And I really think that he was innocent because, like, he had no part of the crime and he didn't kill him. King did. He took the gun and shot him. And him and Bobo took the money and took a whole bunch of pack of cigarettes and gave it to certain people. And the cops took that evidence and traced it all back to them and not Steve. To conclude everything that they just said, I would agree with them. Like, Steve faced many hardships throughout the whole entire story. And when you get to the end, like, you can start to feel his emotions and the author's tone and mood kind of, like, brings out the story. He eventually, like, they free him of the charges because they found out who it actually was and that it wasn't him. He went through a whole process 
you know, it gave him a different experience because when he went into jail and while he was in there, he wasn't like it. Like going through that made him realize that he had to like change and, you know, do better. Oh, I wanted to add on to you, Tayson. He was found innocent. But like when he first came, before he even got on trial, like the jury was looking at him like he was Mm -hmm. already guilty. They already had eyes on him like, oh, he should go to jail. And I think it's really because like because he's young and black and a male, like all those adding up, they already saw him guilty at the beginning. And even when it was proven to him being innocent, they still saw him guilty for a while. They had to get all the evidence to actually say, oh, he's an innocent child. Like, he really didn't do anything. And he ended up innocent at the end and got to go back with his family. But, like, in the book, like, I had to basically visual when his mom came to visit him. Like, it seemed like she was basically breaking down. Like, she knew her son didn't do it, and yet he's still there. And he could be charged for life for something he didn't even do, or, like, the death penalty. Either way, it's like, to her, she was still going to end up losing her son at the end. I feel like, what if that was me or child? Like, how the jury seen Steve as, like, guilty already? Like, would they see me as guilty just because of my skin? Steve is 16. I feel like for many of years, like, there's always been, like, a target on black people. There's, like, some stigmatism around, like, hoodies, and, like, you're all of a sudden, like, a criminal and stuff. So I feel like... So we was on this unit about how, like, one choice could affect your entire life. And, like, it's hard for me to, like, go outside and, like, do things without fearing that someone's going to think I'm a threat and try to hurt me. And, like, if someone makes that one choice, then it's going to affect everybody else's life because now they got to hear about it. And then it's going to be troubling for them to think, like, oh, they they did this. Y'all just keep doing this, that, and the third to hurt other people just because I think that it's self-defense. About this whole situation, I really think that instead of there being black-on-black crimes, we should all stand together. Like, we're all getting hurt and damaged at one point of our life by this community. Like, everything needs to stop. We should not have to experience something as bad as being afraid of the cops at this young of an age. Like, I really hope that I want to say my grandkids in the future, like, my generations never have to experience that. And I know my parents were hoping that, too. And it didn't really happen, but we're all getting through it together. Like, we really had to talk about this before, and we were all crying. And it was the first time I ever saw my dad crying in a while. But it's really hard, and I really think we all need to stand together to get through it. Other than that, like, how else can we get through it? The whole unit changed my perspective on things, like, Reading Monster, it, like, made me think of things like how I have to be more aware and careful of things, like, when I'm doing stuff. And also that just because of the color of my skin, it can change how people see me and view me. So I have to start changing, like, my attitude and the way that I handle things because sometimes it's not always the best. So it just makes you think. On our last segment... Students around Pittsburgh discuss colorism. Their conversation was part of a Youth Express live broadcast that aired on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Hello, welcome to Streaming Justice. This is Katrice Stallworth. I'm 17 years old and I go to Penn Hills High School. My name is Onyeko Adebajo. I am 18 years old and I go to Oakland Catholic. My name is Kavya Weaver. I'm 17 years old and I go to Oakland Catholic. 
My name is Nadira Johnson, but I go by Ace, and I'm 18, and I go to Oakland Catholic High School. My name's Nakoye Ferris. I go to Urban Pathways downtown, and I'm 16 years old. Um, have you guys ever experienced colorism or noticed it? If you don't know what colorism is, it's prejudice or discrimination against individuals with dark skin tone, and it's typically among people of the same ethnic or racial group. I guess because, like, my skin is lighter, people treat me like I'm the ideal one, although I'm, like, clearly not interested in that kind of thing. I mean, like, colorism is important to me, but, like, for the love of God, do not fetishize me, please. I personally have never experienced colorism, but I know a lot of family members who have, including my mom, because it's a major problem in the Indian community. And for my mom growing up Indian American, her sister has a much fairer complexion than her. And my mom was told growing up many times that her sister was prettier than her. And it was a shame that she was so dark. And a lot of people in India use this product called Fair and Lovely, which is a skin bleaching cream. But it's definitely an issue that a lot of people have faced. For me, Personally, not really, but definitely with my family as well it has happened. And, like, with my mom, she had some weird aunts who were like, why don't you just try the skin lightning cream? You're looking so dark lately. And, you know, it wasn't cool. So, yeah. So what are the beauty standards influenced by colorism? So let's say, like, within the black community, like, light-skinned people who have a lighter skin tones, they are seen to be as more privileged, more acceptable to white people, aesthetically appealing, more intellectual, especially in slavery times and now. And then darker skin tones are more prone to arrest, and they have struggles within marriage. I think, for the most part, it's not true. Like, it's weird because, like, we associate lighter things with good things and then darker things with bad things so like along with that I think like we have this weird expectation that like light-skinned women will like be preppier or happier or very feisty or like you know like those cutesy girls whereas dark-skinned women are like strong and aggressive and like oh but I'm not that as a dark-skinned woman I can tell you that I do not have any upper body strength and <laughs> and a lighter skin person I have a really short fuse so yeah definitely a lot of it is not true so do you think colorism affects women more than men for the most part yes I'm actually doing this for my research paper but one of the interesting things I found was that in Jamaica colorism actually affects men just as much as women because like it looked at the case of this one singer whose name I forgot, Jamaican singer, who bleached his skin because he was like, I want to look pretty. And of course, he did not look super pretty with that bleached skin, which was unfortunate. But like, it was kind of shocking to me how like, it affects men in the sense that it's specifically in Jamaica that like, they want to look nicer and they think the lighter you are, the nicer you look. I found this article about Amazon and how beauty can't be one skin color. Because Amazon was still selling skin bleaching products. What do you guys think about that? Why do you guys think that's an issue? Disappointed, but not surprised. I think most people know about how Amazon has really corrupt factory practices. And, like, it just it does not treat its workers with respect, even with a $15 minimum wage. So 
why wouldn't they keep on selling skin bleaching products if it makes them money? Because in this society, like profits over people. That's what this society is: profits over people. It doesn't matter if it's moral. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. If it brings you the most money, that's what matters the most. I think also part of the reason why Amazon would have been selling those products is that, unfortunately and really tragically, there is a demand for them, because I think pretty much every community of color faces this challenge of colorism, either as a consequence of. Colonialism or slavery, and it's still very present, especially in like the media. It's usually light-skinned people who are represented. So, I would see why Amazon would sell this, even though they shouldn't. But because I'm sure there's people who are buying it. I just wanted to make sure that it was real, so I just googled Amazon and typed in skin bleaching cream, and the first thing that came up was skin whitening cream with two percent alpha something, and it's 1995, so it's still being sold. I mean, I didn't think it was fake or this article was false, but I just wanted—I didn't—I don't think I, I think I was in denial that Amazon would still sell something like that. After years of research, somebody researched this specifically colorism. A woman believed that places that have experienced colonization and widespread racism are more susceptible to exhibiting colorism. Do you think that's true? I think that's definitely true. I feel like when you're talking about Latin America or Asia, I feel like the colorism would be derived from imperialism or European colonialism because they would have been seen as the. Top tier of society, so naturally people would want to appear to look more like them in order to get more status. Why do you think that、um, people with a darker skin tone experience more subtle racism or microaggressions? Well, plainly, it's because we're apparent. We're like obvious targets. Like you know, you don't see a light-skinned biracial person and go like, "Ooh, racism time." I mean, no one says. Racism time. That would be really bad if someone said that. But like with、um, darker skin people, you see it. It's right there in front of you. You can't ignore it. So it happens more. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Youth Express. Youth Express is made possible with support from the Henry L. Hillman Foundation. The Pittsburgh Penguins Foundation and the Thirty Three Foundation, and was produced by SLB Radio Productions. Learn more at youthexpress.org.